Attention American poker players, do you want to legally cash out your poker winnings to PayPal? Then head to GlobalPoker.com and see why it's the fastest growing site for US players. That's GlobalPoker.com. Have you heard about America's Card Room? Already the most trusted US online poker site since 2001, America's Card Room deals out more than 246,000 hands of real money poker every day. And right now, Poker Stories listeners can get in on a great deal. Just head over to americascardroom.eu and sign up using the promo code CPPODCAST. New players will get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000, 20 days of free jackpot poker, and four entries into the $250 new depositor free roll. Don't wait. You can be playing poker online right now. Head to americascardroom.eu today and don't forget to use the promo code CPPODCAST for your bonus. Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales both on and off the felt. Welcome back to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This episode of the podcast features Greg Mueller, or as he is known in the poker world, FBT or Full Blown Tilt. Greg is actually a former professional hockey player turned poker pro. He won two WSOP bracelets at the 2009 Summer Series, and he plays in some of the biggest cash games in the world. Now, I don't want to oversell this one, but this just might be my favorite episode we've done so far of the podcast. I don't think Greg fully understood what he had agreed to when he started the interview, but he still managed to crush it with some great stories. The last third or so of this interview in particular, when Greg starts talking about Phil Helmuth, features some of the most hilarious can't-miss stories we've ever heard. But I'm not going to spoil them now, and that's enough intro. So here it is, my conversation with Greg Mueller. So Greg, how you been? Good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry I had to pull you out of a game downstairs. Uh, at least you were dragging a nice Padoogie pot while I walked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, today's... Today things were good this morning. It's Monday morning, end of a long week, and uh, I went to the Dodger game Saturday and Sunday, and as most people Yeah, know, you're on a high right now. Most people know I'm no stranger to betting, and... Uh, I'm betting my hometown boys in blue, and uh, mm-hmm. they hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth, and it was quite the euphoric atmosphere feeling. And yeah, when yeah, you I got... was at the uh, the bike last night when uh, Turner hit the walk-off, and uh, it was a uh, everyone's going crazy. Big it, Dodgers contingent. It, yeah, it was crazy, and uh, you know, not only that, but a couple of us bet the run line, which means you got to. If those for you aren't familiar, it means you got to win by two or more. Okay. So when you're in the bottom of the ninth, generally you don't win by two or more because once that first run crosses the plate, yeah. the game is over. But the only way you can do that is with a walk-off home run, as it was. So <laughs> it was good for the bets, for the future bets. You know, people have Dodgers to win the World Series. People have them to win the series, the game. Are so, you a, are you a Dodgers fan? Typically, I'm a sports like I love going to baseball yeah. playoffs. I love going to big sporting events. Yeah, your and, Twitter uh, is uh, full of full some of st- yeah. awesome seats and some amazing yeah. games. Yeah, I like that's what it, that's my you know my my crack is what I like to you know I spend money on good seats. I like to be pretty mm-hmm. much in the dugout and uh, watching you know and mm-hmm. seeing what's going on. And uh, so I mean, being from Vancouver, obviously the, the Jays are 
you know, the only Canadian team. I somewhat like the Jays and the Dodgers and the Angels, but you know, I I go to the games of the teams that last the longest, and yeah. I've always been a Dodger guy, so now I'm really a Dodger guy, and I, if they if they can win the World Series, it'll be lots of fun, and I'll make myself some money. So you're so you're mostly rooting for a, a good game, or whatever side you bet on. Exactly, yeah. and uh, and and I'm no stranger to betting against the home team and you know being being the guy that stands up and cheers against I'm wondering if you're the guy but... in the crowd last night who's like a single's no good here <laughs> no no because weeks on second base and right. everyone's like rooting for a single no, just I'll to get him in I'll take the single for sure I mean uh, <laughs> just to win the Cubbies are a tough team and and just to win the game win the series have a chance at the World Series I wanted the game but hitting the walk-off home run was was gravy yeah. train for me for That's... me and my buddy who both uh both bet it so having your cake and eating it too that's good. Uh, so you're downstairs playing in a big game. Uh, you've been here for a while, or what's? Uh... Yeah, I uh, I generally am not here at this time unless the Dodgers are going deep in the mm-hmm. World Series or the Angels or something because that's what I like to do. I uh, people you know people ask me where I like to go and I don't really travel too much for poker anymore to be honest with you. You know I do the odd poker night in Americas and, yeah. and other than that it's just it's Vegas and, and L.A. Mm-hmm. and what I like about L.A. is there's Two hockey teams, the Ducks and the Kings. There's two baseball teams, the Dodgers and the and the Angels. There's two basketball teams. There's football. There's a million well, beautiful football. Football. <laughs> I don't really go to those because I like to watch it on uh, on the on on the on the Sunday couch. You know, six yeah. or seven games at once. But there's a million nice places to go to eat. The weather's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love LA because I can play poker during the day and go to games or dinners or find stuff to do at night. Yeah. Whereas you know, Vegas has nice restaurants and stuff. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. I'm, I'm an LA guy, a SoCal guy, and I, you know, right now, I, don't get me wrong, I love being in Vancouver. I'd be playing on two, three different hockey teams and missing the boys back home. But it's raining, and it's, you know, not, not, yeah, 90 degrees every day. <laughs> it's sunny and you know, Dodger playoff time like it is. You're here, allowed so. to be a little bit of a snowbird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're growing up in Vancouver. What was uh yeah? What was Greg getting into uh, in Vancouver? Uh, well, actually, I, I I grew up in White Rock, which is suburb of Vancouver, thirty mm-hmm. minutes uh, outside of Vancouver, and uh, yeah, I went to school there and played all kinds of sports and um, yeah, hockey, lacrosse, soccer, you name it. And uh, yeah, my parents owned a restaurant in in, in in White Rock called the Moby Dicks Moby Dicks Fish and Chips. Okay. And right on the beach, yeah, it's a it's been a legendary place to eat for for many years. They still got it, huh? My mom passed away in '99, and my dad sold it then. But there's been two transfer uh, uh, transformations of ownership. Yeah. And uh, it's still a you know they built a dynasty, and it's still the hot spot to go to go eat down at the beach when you're walking the promenade or going down and just chilling. It's, everyone goes for fish and chips, and you know twice a year I pop over there and feel like crap after because it's so greasy, <laughs> but it's so good. A little cheat day action. Exactly. So uh, you skipped college. Skipped college. Was yes. that was that by necessity or? Well, when I was uh, 19 years old, hold on a sec. Uh, That's all good. When I was when I was uh, 19 years old, I, I I was never I never was a school guy. I'm always street smart, so to say. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not a hustler or anything like that, but I just. I'm not stupid. I'm quick with math, and you know, I just was bored about reading and history and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I've never found myself going that route. And uh, you know, with hockey, 
I went I went over to Europe when I was 19 years old yeah. and uh, just kind of paved my way from there type of thing. So, was was the dream always NHL or Boston? Like how did it how did it um, work in those days especially? No. I don't know. I was a bit of a late late bloomer. Really? Uh, like as far as size went and stuff. Yeah, I grew a little later, went through because sure, I mean, and, for those who don't, who've never been in your presence, you are a towering figure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it took me not necessarily to, to grow, but to fill out and mm-hmm. to even maturity, deep voice. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still talking like this. At, you know, <laughs> like at a fairly late age. Yeah. You know, for so you know, it, it, obviously, when you're a big guy and you know, to, to fit into your body, it takes a little while. So you know, I was a bit of a late bloomer, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, kind of got better at, 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 at hockey as the years went on and I you know I kind of was past the NHL level but got better as the years went on in Europe and uh, you know I came home and, and was fortunate enough to train and practice with the Canucks in the off seasons and, yeah you know for for the for the average eye if you were watching as practice you wouldn't see that I'm not in the NHL or that I don't belong yeah you know the difference isn't too much but you know the next best league at the time was the European Elite League, and I was over there and happy doing my thing. And obviously, the NHL is the NHL. But you know it was. Yes, yeah, so you went to Germany. You played there for nine seasons. Yeah. What was the team name again? There was different names. Um, um, Munich Mad Dogs. We okay. won the Europe, the German Championships with that team, and then I played in Rattingen, and then finished my career in Duisburg. Okay. Well, what position were you? An enforcer. No, no, no. I mean, uh, I've I've always been a, a, a winger or centerman, but playing in Germany, I played defense just because it's a it's a harder position and it's a bigger commodity. Like it, you know, if you were good moving, like if you were a defenseman that could move the puck, you you were you were a bigger commodity to teams. Yeah. So I made the transformation. A coach told me that I should go back and play D. I see the ice pretty well, and I, I'm not the fastest skater and. So, you know, defenseman was a better fit. Now when I play in the beer leagues, I'm back to centerman. Yeah. Unless we have to win, then they put me back on D. So. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, your best fight? <laughs> Honestly, playing in Europe, you don't you don't fight very, very often at all. Because yeah. you lose... The way it works there is if you... You know, they don't, they don't encourage fighting. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked... Funny, somebody asked me the other day... Why is there fighting in the NHL? Or why is there fighting in hockey? Is it just tradition? Yeah, sure, it's tradition. But how fighting came along is if you're going to be careless with your stick or stick people in the face, yeah. you have to man up and, and fight if you're going to do that. So in other words, if you're going to be a dirty player and stick someone, they're going to have the right to challenge you to a fight. And you obviously can't be a wuss and just decline. So if you don't feel like fighting, don't be a dirty player type yeah. of thing. That's kind of how it started. And then, you know, it became enforcers and this and this and that, right? And, well, in Europe, they, they don't have, you know, they're against fighting. And so when you get into a fight, at least when I was playing, I don't know if it's changed, you'd get suspended without, really? without pay. So, okay. <laughs> so who wants to, when you're playing a 50-game schedule, who wants to miss two or three games? And, you know, it increases. You get one fight, maybe you miss two. Next fight, you miss, like, five. So who wants to be on the sidelines and not getting paid? Yeah. You know, there obviously wasn't, ex- there were exceptions where, you know, if the coach tapped you on the shoulder and told you to take care, you know, if somebody ran the goalie or, you know, if you're standing, if you just want to fight to be a cool guy and show off to the fans or just because you feel like it, you're, you're getting suspended, no pay. If something happens where, you know, somebody it's runs a justified. good player or, or <laughs> runs into your goalie, you know, you have to take care of business. 
and you're still suspended, but the coach will go to bat for you and you won't lose pay because that's a that's a personal team th- matter. It's not a league rule. Yeah. So the you know the the owners just tell you, hey, if you're not going to play because of suspension, you're not getting paid like that. So there wasn't really any fighting in Europe, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, unless you really had to type of thing. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, let's talk about coming back from um, hockey and deciding what to do with the rest of your life at that point. What were your options and, you know, what were you looking well, at? Well, I've always been a strategist. I always liked games. I always, you know, I've always liked the rush. And, you know, my mom passed away from cancer and I just basically came home for, you know, I got to see her for a couple of days and went to the funeral and I basically never went back. I just kind of left my life that I had in Europe, apartment full of furniture and everything and just... That was the end of it. I just yeah. kind of retired. I, I lost. I immediately kind of lost the passion to train really hard for it. You know, hockey's a. It's obviously you see the game, but there's so much off ice. Your diet has to be flawless. You have to train hours and hours at the gym. Your cardio has to be perfect. Like it's such a, you know, you have to when you get injured, you have to spend hours and hours at rehab and 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 physio and. So you know when you're doing that your whole life, and then you know when my mom passed away, I kind of just lost the drive, the passion, and just basically retired. Yeah. You know, at a, at a young age, 27, 28 years old, where you know you see a lot. Look at Yarmy. Yeah, hockey players play till they're 80. No, it's I mean, crazy. <laughs> not like football, but I mean the prime. You know, 35 maybe if you're real good. You know, um, Jager's an exception. He's did, still did, playing. Uh, did Jager get on a team? This he's on the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 45 years old. It's That's insane. crazy. It's insane. I think he was on my Panthers for a while. Insane, but uh, yeah. So, so you know, I was like, well, what am I gonna do? And I kind of met a buddy of mine, Coach Hubes, as he's known by everybody. He kind of took me under his wing, and we went traveling for poker. And he, you know, showed me real quick: you can't tilt or or play like <laughs> this or play like that, or you're you're not gonna last. And I started playing really small, five five limit, five ten, ten twenty, twenty forty. But get, all limit get, hold'em. All limit hold'em. Get because this was before MoneyMaker in what exactly ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. No, MoneyMaker was like two thousand. No, I mean like when you yeah, started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'd get, you know, I'd play a little online, and anytime I kicked it up, I, you know, I'd go from twenty forty to thirty sixty. My heart was pounding. It was mm-hmm. nervous. Boom! I'd get smacked in the face. Jump back down. You know, beat the twenty forty again. Go back to thirty sixty, forty eighty, eighty one sixty. Over to no limit. Play little tournaments, mixed games. Like, but I literally went through the. The ranks. I didn't just yeah. come in some hockey player. You know, I mean, blew through most of the hockey money just from you know from living, just, you, yeah, <laughs> living, and, and 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 you know, you don't you don't ever think that it's coming to an end, and you know, it, it didn't have to. And in hindsight, you know, maybe I regret it a little bit just because the lifestyle was so much fun. You know, doing what you love for a living, uh, playing hockey, yeah. being with the guys all the time. You know, it's it's well, it, that's it, how you found poker, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, but it really is the dream. I mean, you. You, you practice together and then you go for lunch and then you have a nap and then you practice again and then you go for dinner and drinks and you do it all over again. And yeah. it's, it's it's just such a, you know, so much fun and at the same time you're always fit, you know, that's that's a battle I didn't have while playing and that's a my biggest battle in life when I'm playing poker, especially on the road. I don't play when I'm at home, but when I'm yeah. on the road, it's, it's keeping the pounds off. It's so hard because I love to eat, go for nice <laughs> dinners and I'm always doing fun things. I'm not going to just go to a party or go to a nice dinner and eat carrot sticks, I'm going yeah. to have the desserts and I'm going to have to talk to Jason Kuhn. 
Yeah. I once saw him count the calories on a bottle of vodka. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm. Def- I'll never be Jason Coon, <laughs> but you know, I'm trying to avoid being you know 400 pounds. So it's yeah. a, it's a battle. You know, like this morning I was at the gym for an hour and a half, and if I can do that every day and I can kind of curb my sweet tooth a little bit, then I'm okay. But you yeah. know, it's, it's also tough because I'm an emotional eater, and when you get torched in the sports or torched at the poker game, you know, it's funny. A buddy of mine always walks by and he goes, "Oh, you're doing well, FBT," and I'm like. How do you know? And he goes, because you're eating the salad, you know? <laughs> and when he comes by and I got Salads the are for winners. three mounds of ice cream <laughs> that I'm eating, he's like, oh, I'm not going to I'm yeah. not gonna bug you, FPT. You must be getting torched, you yeah. know? And sure enough, he's usually right, right? So, Oh, FPT, that's a good question. That's not a that's not a poker nickname, right? It is, yeah, full-blown tilt. Oh, okay. I thought full they you got it in hockey, and I was like, I don't want to see how top tilt came up in hockey. No, no, hockey, they call me Malsy or Mules or, you know, the, the hockey names are always based on your name and yeah. your last name and, you know, so... But full blown till who's who gave you that and why? Coach Coach gave me FBT. Not even really anything to do with poker because I rarely actually tilt at the table. But yeah, just you know, always trying to just always in a hurry and a frenzy to get somewhere and you know running around here trying to get in the front of the line and you know so he's <laughs> like you know he was like full blown tilt and I don't know he named me that like in my beginning days and mm-hmm. I always put my name up on the board as FBT and it's just it's there was times when people didn't even know my name they just knew me as FBT yeah. in, in the poker world right and yeah. so just kind of stuck that's cool so uh, you discover uh, poker on a hockey road trip you're playing you're moving up in stakes I read an interview that you uh, you described the first six time you played 100-200 downstairs here at the Commerce okay and uh, it didn't go so well yeah it might have been eighty one sixty. Um, but yeah, I was I was crushing the thirty sixty, and I just split a little one of those little tournaments, you know, a couple hundred dollar buy-in tournaments, and yeah. you know, feeling no pain, and jumped into the, either the eighty hold'em or the one two hold'em, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, not only are the stakes a lot higher, and not only does the money start to mean more, the players are better. Yeah. And so when you get maybe top pair when you have middle pair versus top pair in a smaller game people don't punish you as much as when you're playing with better players for yeah. example so when you're when you're running bad you're going to lose more and when you're running good you're going to win less playing with better players so you know I, I i probably was in a little over my head playing it for the first time and i was probably not running the greatest and yeah i got i got spanked pretty good and uh and it kind of ruined my whole my whole trip as far as you know financially yeah and uh, and then I went and then it's so hard when you when you kick down in limits again. I went back to the thirty sixty, and you know the rush is gone. <laughs> the wall. Not only that, I'm hitting every hand, and nobody likes to hear a complainer. I'm winning every hand. I'm like, yeah, you know, there must be. They're like, it must be nice. You know, three four sets in a row. And I'm like, no, well, you don't understand. I'm up twelve hundred here, but I lost twenty thousand yesterday. <laughs> exactly. You know, so like big deal. Meanwhile, I'm winning their money. They don't want to hear me talking about it's small money. You exactly, know what I mean? But yeah. it's it's just natural. You're making sets winning $1200 pots when you're losing the big or or $300 pots you're winning and you just were losing you know five six thousand dollar pots right and yeah. so I realized I found myself constantly looking at the bigger game again and you know oh is there bad players and should I be playing in it and I wasn't focused on my other game so I realized that it's time to call the trip a trip go back to Canada reset and come back where the 3060 meant something again and I was happy to win pots at the 3060 and not constantly think what if this was one two and be constantly staring at mm-hmm. the one two you know what I mean yeah. so yeah my first experience at the 100 200 was sent me right back to Canada more or less 
But I want to talk about the uh, the goals you had at that time, or even now. Um, you know, you don't play a ton of tournaments. You know, the bracelets are nice. We'll get to those. But, like, was your mindset always to get to the biggest game in the room? Because, I mean, there are plenty of people who make a good living playing 30-60. Right. It's... My, my mindset's changed a lot. I mean, when I was first in the poker world, I couldn't wait to play. Mm-hmm. Every day, 20 hours a day. I couldn't... I would land in L.A. and drop my bags off and I, I didn't even unpack a thing right to the tables. Couldn't wait to peel those cards and and socialize <laughs> and, and, you know, get in pots and just play and play and play and play and play. I'll be honest, I don't really enjoy poker anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it so long and just the highs and lows and, and it's... You know, I, I I I do it for one reason only, and I'm not, uh, you know, and so so now it's different. You know, now I'm a little bit more on the, even though I always have fun and I'm always watching games while I'm playing. I try and make it as enjoyable as I can. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing it for like if there's no bigger game, I'm not gonna play just to play because I love the poker. I'm gonna go find something else to do. Yeah. You know, whereas so there's no ego involved as far as I got to be the best guy in the room. Or, no, no, or, I just you know I want to I just want to take the money. I mean, whereas, whereas you know years in past, I just wanted to play, and if there was no big game, I'd play in a small game. I just want to play, 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 and you know. Whereas now I'm tired of playing. I'd rather spend my time going to games, going for dinners, hanging out with my friends and family. Yeah. And so you know, I I I spend less and less time um, on the road every year. You know, yeah. to the point where last year I was, or two years ago, I, I was home n- 10 months of the 12. The only two I was gone was in Vegas for the World Series. Yeah. You know, so, but obviously, if you're not crushing it, you, you got to put in some more hours, right? So. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the games. Uh, oh, you can come in. How you doing? What's up? Good. What's this? <laughs> Stop it for one sec. Yeah, we're good. Oh, you got me a doctor, Jersey? Which one? The Puig 66? White one? Oh, hi. Nice scotch. How much do I owe you? I got a treat. Thanks, bud. Which one do you got? You got the Turner? They don't have it. They don't have Turner White? No. Yeah, right. They don't, uh, Then I would have got you to got me a Turner White. Oh, well, they, they don't, don't have, have it. Because I was going to wear it for Halloween after that. It'll be good. Thanks, bud. Need a wig. Like Christmas. I am. I'm going to get a red wig because he <laughs> made me all the money yesterday. I might go as Turner for Halloween. That's pr- I'm sure you can get one by then. I'm not just go ghetto and just like... Put some duct tape over the back of Puig and write your own name. present. <laughs> Picked up a package for me. Thanks, Scotch. No He's just doing a podcast, so yeah, you can stick around for a few minutes if you cool. want. And maybe I'll mention Scotty. He's a, it's like Turtle sometimes, you know, in the entourage. And uh, he always drives and yeah. gets the job done. He gambles too. He was all over the, all over the, the, the run line yesterday in Dodgers. And oh yeah, we went to the, we go to the games and cheer. And Turned out good for you guys yesterday. Absolutely. What are we talking about? Oh, the big games. So I want to ask you about the big games because back in 2012, I'll paraphrase, you said, I'm surprised the big mix games are even going. Where's the money coming from? Uh, You know, money leaves the poker world through sports betting and pit games before poker sites were fueling all of these big games. And now there's no sponsorships. So I don't see how it can continue. But it's still going five years later. So why is that? Why are these big high-stakes games surviving? Well, to be honest, they're extremely tough. Yeah. They really are. And you can't tilt. You need rest. you got to be focused. I, I always describe it like this. 
when when you used to play poker there was for those that aren't familiar fish is the terminology of a recreational yeah. player obviously a shark's a good player well you would be swimming in the ocean and there'd be pools and pools and pools <laughs> of fish and you could just eat all day long and sometimes you'd kind of run into a shark yourself look at each other stay out of each other's way there's tons of fish nowadays honestly it's like you're swimming in the ocean and just swimming and swimming and swimming and there's no fish anywhere and then you bump into a shark you kind of look at each other go 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 each other's opposite way then go keep swimming a few more miles and you bump into another shark and eventually you have to battle shark yeah it's just, it's just the way it is and only the best are surviving it's it really is tough you know there's the odd recreational real juicy recreational players that come in and the disperses a ton of money into the games yeah but as far as the daily grind it's very difficult it's very very difficult you know before there was you know five six recreational player two real good players two okay players and now it's literally like there might be one recreational player and and then the game goes you know it's just yeah so there's no more like game selection it's just like if it's running you got to play i mean yeah i mean if you fancy your you just you have to you have to battle the best and be the best. Yeah. And obviously when it's like that, you're going to have lots of swings. Your earnings are going to be much lower because, you know, a lot of it's who holds the best cards. And so so, so what's going to determine the wins is who's the most disciplined and who's staying off tilt and, you know, doing the right things, going to bed, getting rest, because it's just not like the days of the online where somebody that got lucky and made a final table, just got paid 40000 to wear a full tilt patch, yeah. would come in and play the mixed games and didn't really, wasn't that good. But there was tons of those people around. You know, juicy tournament players that had money and sponsorship deals would sell 100000 online and someone would give them cash and they'd jump in the big mixed games and there was just, everybody had money. It was trickling down from yeah. everywhere. So there was games going all the time, no limit, PLO, mixed limit. Just games, games, games with good, soft, medium, wreck, all kinds of players. And there's still a fair amount of poker, but, you know, it's when you're playing eight games sometimes, four games, five, people don't know all these games. And you, it just the days of finding these, you know, fish, so to say, that just come in and play are pretty much over. It's it's a tough, tough grind. Well, where, where, does that concern you moving forward as you, you know, Of course. Play of course. Two? And... You know, the days of just coming in for a weekend and picking up nice packages and heading home and firing, can't really do it as much anymore. You have to put in the hours and, and you know, let the cream rise maybe, but over the long term, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, you just, you just, it's just different. You know, poker's changed a lot and maybe the online boom will happen again if it gets legalized and then maybe it'll open the, the floodgates a little bit more, but... Yeah, right now, I mean, you literally know every player at your table, first and last name, all the time. It's <laughs> it's, it's not a good time to be a poker player for sure. Uh, let's get back to some tournament uh, news because you mentioned those juicy tournament players. You were yourself were a juicy tournament player for a little while. Mm -hmm. A lot of close calls at the World Series. I remember you lost uh, to Bilirakis, I think. Yeah, my very first one. And uh, another one was a really disappointing second for the poker world <laughs> and you obviously against Phil Tom against Phil Tom the guy from uh, absolute. the absolute UB scandal 
Uh, so what were those close calls doing to your mentality or your psyche back then? Or were you just okay with it? You know, I, I, when you're younger, you're just more resilient and you're not so much worried about future setting yourself up financially. You just plan yeah. and want to win and competitive. And it, it obviously you want to win your first bracelet, you know, for a poker player, kind of you're Put yourself on the map, I guess, maybe is to win a bracelet or something, right? Yeah. So to get that close and not hit it twice, um, you know, I was wondering if I was going to be forever the bridesmaid type of thing, right? And so it was disappointing, but, you know, it's a nice payout and you'd get right back on the saddle the next day playing in and, you know, everyone would be blowing you, telling you, yeah, good job, congrats, <laughs> and, you know, bittersweet, blah, 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 the BS. But whatever, you're, you're, just, you're just back and you're back at it and that's... What we used to do is, or on ice, do head to the Rio every day and play and play. What's the next tournament on slate? And you know, and it just uh... so there wasn't this dramatic sense of relief when you did win the first one. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I finally won the Cadillac of, of poker. I won a World Series of poker gold bracelet. I yeah. mean, that's you know, absolutely. And the way things roll in life, you get confidence, swagger. Boom, you win another one a week later. Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy how it rolls, how it works. But I will say that. After winning those, I don't care if I win enough. I mean, I care, it'd be nice, yeah. but I don't play. I play three, four tournaments a year during the World Series or five just because. If it didn't happen again, you'd be okay with it? Yeah, I'd be okay yeah. with it. I mean. Well, can I ask you, where do you keep your bracelets? They're actually in the safe at the at my bank. Okay. <laughs> to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've thought about, you know, giving them my nieces one each or, you know, if I have to do a appearance somewhere and they want me to bring them I'll pull them out and you know yeah. people like to see them and it's 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 very very cool you know <laughs> I mean it's it's the top prize to win and you know I don't know why people don't wear them more I mean people sometimes wear championship rings and you know it's 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 cool but I don't know I, I have mine in my safe tucked away for now <laughs> uh, we have some rapid fire questions for you if you don't mind sure uh, biggest pot you ever won or lost your choice Pain or elation? I honestly, I don't know. I played so much <laughs> poker, I don't know what the biggest pot is. I mean, I really don't. I really have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, I played in the bigger mixed game in the in Bobby's room this summer, a one thousand, a one k, two k game, and me and Gus Hansen got it in and no limit. It was capped. Gus made remember. some news this summer. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, I don't remember how big it was. I had the two aces with the ace of spades, and he flopped a pair in a flush draw, and we somehow got it in and ran it. He asked me if we wanted to run it four times. We did, and we hit a spade three of the four times. But <laughs> that's irrelevant. So that was a pretty nice pot. But I, I really don't know what the biggest pot is that I've won. I mean, I really, I really don't know. What about I, lost? I don't know either. That's good. Like, that's a it's good, good. Yeah, I'm not like holding on to that. that yeah. You know? Oh man, you know I. Seem to remember bad beats in sports kind of more than, than you know. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> uh, best poker player that we've never heard of. We meaning the public. You know, especially in cash games, a lot of these guys go unnoticed. Very best good players. Best poker player that we've never heard of. Anybody you want to shout out in your in your usual games that uh, flies under the radar? Um, let me think. Who's a really good poker? <laughs> that 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 hasn't hurt, that hasn't made the mark, um, or just should get more love. 
Well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Bucky, my my best buddy, Bucky, Sean, never, B- Sean Buchanan, yeah, never won a bracelet. You know, he's won a WPT title, but the guy just he just gets there all the time. He mm-hmm. that's what he likes. You know, I don't like the tournaments yeah. because to me they feel more like work. For example, I'm playing in the cash game. Hey, Greg, uh, Tulio, I, I need to do an interview. Sure, deal me out. I come up and do <laughs> yeah. the interview. Hey, it's Greg. Hey, it's it's whatever. Do you want to go for dinner? Go. The- I'm in. Yeah. I'm out. Tournaments, they tell you when to be there. That's punch your clock. When you can pee, when you can <laughs> eat, uh, you know, when you got to set your alarm. I don't like that. That's yeah. why I don't play the tournaments. Bucky loves it. Plays the W coops, the scoops, and he just he gets there all. People don't realize how much he gets there, and then. I feel like the last five years, when the equity's so big and it really matters, he gets it in with queens against nines, and they hit a nine. Like obviously, everyone takes bad beats. I'm not. I don't. No, I can. I don't do the say. bad beat talks. But he gets there literally every. You know, I talk to him every day, and so he'll be playing these scoop events. Gets there every day, takes a two outer, loses a coin flip. Like you know, and that's obviously going to happen. But it seems like. It's been happening a lot for him deep. Now, maybe he ran good early when he won his WPT and made a bunch of final tables, but, you know, when it mattered, he had a chance to be WPT Player of the Year, you know, I don't know, 2012 or 11 or 13, I don't even know, around there. And they think they were three-handed, him and David Williams and maybe Josh Aria. Eric Baldwin. Eric Baldwin, that's right. Um, and and he got it in with the Queens versus David's Nines? Yeah. And Williams had the nine. And he flopped the nine, right? <laughs> and not only was that a difference of winning his second WPT title, it, he it would have made him WPT Player of the Year. Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool. And all the stuff you and get and a million dollars in prize money, right? Yeah, point six to six hundred. Right, but we're not so much saying talking about that. Just you know, it's it's just Sean flies under the radar a lot. Now his peers know he's very good. Mm-hmm. Every peer that you talk to, a loves him as a person because he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He's the nicest guy. Yeah, nice, just a sweetheart of a person. But they also respect and fear him. As a poker player. I can and vouch for Sean because I was traveling the WPT circuit uh, for like three, four years during that time. And we'd always joke whenever we saw Sean getting deep, oh, Sean's here for another eighth place. Because that's right. just, he was just so snake bit. It, yeah. it became almost a joke. Yeah, know? exactly. And Not for him, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. And everybody, and everybody, like I said, his peers have nothing but respect for him. Yeah. You know, he gets drafted every year in the fantasy drafts and, you know, but, you know, maybe... As far as the the public public goes, I'm sure he's known, but definitely not as as well known as he as he should. There's somebody googling his name right now, seeing all his, his lifetime winnings, and going, "Oh, Greg's yeah. right. Exactly. This guy is pretty. He's good. a beast." <laughs> um, what about the best swap or piece you ever got? Well, I've always been known to have horses. Um, the last couple of years, I've not last couple of years, this year and the first year they had the Colossus, mm-hmm. I've had a piece of, uh, the amount is irrelevant, but a significant piece of Ray Henson. Oh, yeah. Who's also, an, <laughs> who also should get more recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, you Ray's know, from Texas? Or? Yep, yeah. yep. Great guy and good poker player. Really good poker player. And, uh, he had a you great know, summer. Great summer. And yeah. it seems like, you know, um, I've I've always just kind of always just been fortunate enough to you know he approaches me and says that's world it's world series time and Greg you, or you know here's my package you want to buy a, a chunk and every year I'm like absolutely you know I've kind of gotten away from the from the 
horses. Yeah. But in the past, I always loved it because I don't want to play so many tournaments. And it's it, there's nothing better than when you're going to bed or waking up, getting a text going, hey, Tizzle, down to uh, 12. Just wanted to let you know. Wow, <laughs> sweet. You know? Yeah. So, like, for me, the criteria has always been four criteria. One, I have to like the guy. Mm-hmm. I, I want to root for a guy I like. Two, I have to trust the guy. Three, he has to be a good player. And four, I got to be in the area because part of it is going to sweat. Yeah. You know? So me and Scotty Tickets here, like he, he, my boy Scotty, when he's in town, he, I was like, Scotty, we got to go to the Rio. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, Razor's down to five players in the PLO8 tournament. You know? Yeah. Okay, let's go. We'd head over there and be sweating. Disappointing. Bad luck. Fourth. Three days later, got to head to the Rio. Razor made another final table. You know? And yeah. that's, that's kind of fun. A rooting and cheering for your own piece but for a buddy you know and and it's always nice to just kind of oh what's first place in this oh hi this is what i stand to win here you know what i mean yeah so it's 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 not a free roll because he could bust out but you know he's always done really well for me and i've always had been lucky like it seems like i had a piece of chino when he final table the main event um i've made trades with jc tran at the right time Mm-hmm. When he final tabled the the main event, when mm-hmm. he WPT, Sean and I have our standard ten percent when we both play a tournament. Every tournament we yeah. play, it's kind of the only person I swap with unless I get deeper in tournaments. You know, so we always kind of the old roommate rule where just you know we <laughs> we always if we both play the same tournament we just always have a piece of each other, which is nice. Yeah, you know, in the end it'll break even, but it's always nice if someone's playing for half a million that you stand to win fifty. Keeps you emotionally invested in your friend, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Any crazy prop bets or, like, favorite degen story? Obviously, I know you like to bet sports, but what about uh, any crazy props? People always ask me that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't generally do the props myself, and I hear about them all. I mean, you know, I... Mine are just like small time, you know, good buddies of mine at home or whatever. We'll be walking on the beach and it'll be snowing outside and I'll be like 300 bucks if you jump in the ocean in your undies or something, you know, and he'll be yeah. like, 300? You sure? I'm like, done. Boom. There he is, you know. <laughs> Fun Bobby back home, my buddy Wilkes, you know, he always, he always, you know, he'll look at me and he'll go, how much to eat these slugs? And I'll be like, wow. And I'll be like. I'll give you a hundred bucks. It'll be like two for 300. And I'll be like, done. (laughs) He'll eat these giant slugs or, you know, fun stuff like that. Not so much prop bets, but just, you know, just, uh, just, you know, goofing around. That sounds Nothing Antonio style, you know? Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't eat any slugs. Where he had to lunge. Yeah. Well, that one ended badly for him. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I wasn't sure if you knew, so I just, you know, left it at that. But... (laughs) Uh, when you got your headphones on at the table, what are you listening to? It really depends on my mood and my chip stack. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I have a grip of chips and I want to start changing gears and taking over, I'll fire up the ACDC. Okay. And just be like, you know, thunder, and I'll just start up. <laughs> literally just start getting on the saddle and start raising it up, you know? If I'm in grind mode and I got a short stack I'll put on like some mellow tunes you really? know and and just uh, just keep me keep me chill and you know I'm, well, what are you listening to when you're outside of uh, the poker world like what, what, what's, who's I'm your working, band who's your, your, your artist honestly I, I have such a wide genre of music like mm-hmm. you know I, I'm not a huge country guy but I don't mind it I'm not a huge rap guy but I don't mind it I love my old school rock kind of mm-hmm. you know the ACDC Guns N' Roses Metallica that sort of 
stuff. You know, when I'm working out, I like to get fired up. Yeah. Um, but you know, Tom Petty, rest in peace. Like Tom Petty, like I'm kind of all over the place. I went to school in Gainesville. Tom Petty was a hard one to yeah. deal with. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, he was an important guy in Gainesville. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. Legend. Which poker pro did you admire coming up, and did you ever get to play a pop with him or her? You know, because you got into it in 99. There wasn't really a lot of publicity about, like, who the guys were back then. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was always cool kind of playing at the same table as Ivy. Okay. You know, just, he's just such a quiet, does his own thing, mysterious kind of guy, you know. Even today where no one really idolizes anyone or hero, if all of a sudden he goes walking through the room, there's kind of a silence and a, a whisper and yeah. everybody kind of looks, where's he going? Oh, he's go- <laughs> what's he doing here? Like, it's so weird, you know, of all poker players, you know. Um, you he's know, one of those guys who benefits from not saying anything. Exactly. People and, just and like, everyone just makes up. They fill in the blanks with totally craziness. Totally. And just you know, playing at his table. I'm watching every move he makes, and you know, he's always got the eyes looking back and forth. Yeah. And he's just he was. He's just such, so good. You just you're watching him, and you know. And then there, I'll never forget. There was one table at the Mirage. We were playing in a WPT, and there was a real soft blind spot. Like you know, every orbit. He would raise, and I would three-bet. And the first time, he just assumed I probably had a hand. Yeah. And then the next time, he opened again, and I did it again. He kind of looked at me, and he gave it up again, thinking maybe I had a hand. And then, then he raised again, and before he even completed the raise, he looked up at me. Right? Like, and I knew <laughs> that he knew, and I just kind of folded him in the muck so that I'd get a little bit more credibility. But it was just so cool that, you know, I thought I was a hero for knowing that he was picking up her blinds and that I said I'm gonna I'm gonna pick him off yeah and he it, immediately he knew what was going on you know he's just a he knew what was up exactly and he's a low profile you know always been very cool to me he's just you know I wouldn't say definitely my idol or hero or anything but it's you know it was always it was always entertaining playing at his table mm-hmm. just because well, he, who do you, who got the better of who in the long run I probably probably got lucky versus him and and seemed to win a lot of pots against <laughs> him you know but like in comparison to Phil Helmuth, for example, who I know pretty well, and you know people don't like some guys don't like Phil because his ego and his big head, and it doesn't <laughs> bother me. I don't care. Yeah. When we're with Phil, he's the man. You know he, but he's generous and he takes care. He hooks you up. We took me to Golden State Warriors game. Sat on the floor. Everybody knows him. The owners know him. Me and my buddy Scotty Tickets went to a a football game. Thought we were big shots. It was uh, the Niners playing the. Uh, New York Giants were sitting in row one at the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, the, the Niners got the ball. They're they're on a big punt return. They're running. And as they're running, all the coaches and the other players are running down the sidelines too. They're watching the play. And I look, and there's a guy in a big black coat <laughs> running on the sidelines, and it's Phil Helmuth. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like right beside Harbach running down the sidelines. And I'm like, this is unreal. You know? Yeah. And I called Phil, thumbboat screener. He comes over and I'm like, what are you doing on the sidelines? You know, like, I thought I was the pimp sitting in row one. Yeah. And, you know, there He's he the is. the best seat in the house and he, he one ups you. Exactly. You yeah. know, and, and uh, like I said, you know, he's he's dialed in and he's always generous and he won't let you pay. And he, yeah. And if he has a hookup, he'll include you. And I wonder if we see a helicopter. 
Scotty yeah, every time there's a helicopter, my boy Scotty's always like, oh, they're Phil landing somewhere, you know. And, uh, you know, so it's just, it's different. He doesn't get the same respect that Ivy gets people. I like I like playing poker with him. Mm-hmm. I always kid him. Come on, see, Phil, uh, Phil, see it open, Phil. You know, Phil says, yeah. you know, Phil gets to pick the games because we, you know, we like to call him juicy in the in the live games at times, you know. Is that a reputation true, though? And the or mix, is it overblown? And the, it's overblown. He's, yeah. no, he's, you know, Phil's a smart guy, but, you know, he, plays the mixed games and he gets frustrated and yeah. we'll be playing eight games and he says, okay, I'm playing this game, Phil says, or I'm leaving. And we're like, okay, <laughs> Phil says, you know. And it's always entertaining playing with him because his drama that he does on TV, he does mm-hmm. it in the poker room with no cameras. Yes. Me and him played an eight-hour heads-up match in Ivy's room at the Aria one time and every hand he'd get up, he'd kick his chair back, he'd he'd walk around saying, I mean, this guy's an idiot. How bad are you? How bad is he playing? <laughs> I'd be like, Phil, A. Eh? Why don't you look at all the chips I got of yours? And B, there's no cameras here. You can stop it with the act. But it's not an act. He just no. gets so emotional. Yeah. Right? And I love Phil. You know? I, I, I got I People got don't realize it's not an act. He just is that emotionally invested it. in every pot. And he <laughs> and his head is, you know, that's the problem. People can't handle, you know, they're, he, they can't handle his... I have so many good Phil Helmuth stories that are, like, <laughs> unbelievable that people can't even fathom. But it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a big ego myself, but I just put it in check when I'm with him. And he's the man when we're together. No problem. You want to share a Phil story? The, well, one time, uh, I, me and Phil were deep in a in a limit hold'em tournament. Okay. At the Rio, at the Rio, and uh, back when they had Gaylords, you know that Indian restaurant. Yeah. I don't know if you remember it. They still have it. Do they still have it? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, Phil says to me, "Good lunch buffet." <laughs> well, this was a. I don't know how it was set up. I think we were maybe down to like 16 or 18. It was pretty fairly deep. Mm-hmm. And he and he said, FBT, do you, uh, do you want to go for dinner on dinner break? He says, I got I got the hook up. And I'm like, absolutely. I said, can I bring a buddy of mine? He says, yeah, but nobody else. I said, no problem. So I bring a buddy of mine. And the three of us go right to the back. We've got three waitresses, our own cook. <laughs> he, I mean, it's pretty much a smorgasbord set up for Phil, myself, and my buddy. No waiting. I mean, the dream setup. So I'm sitting there with my buddy. And Phil's pacing around like he does on the phone. And he's talking to his wife. Mm-hmm. And he's, honey, he's playing unbelievable. It's it's scary how in the zone he is and whatever. I'm not really paying attention to what he's saying. But, you know, he's talking about somebody I feel like for a long time. And then finally it dawns on me. He's talking about himself to his wife in third person. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and like, but the funny thing is it doesn't bother me. Oh, I don't think he, it does. It just doesn't change. It's just who Phil is. Oh man, you know, and uh, and it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it's it's other people would would it would bother them, you know. I don't but know how that could bother you. That's one. To me, it does. It's it's hilarious. That's you know? so funny, you know. And I mean, there's a gazillion of me and Madison and Phil were playing Chinese poker. Isn't his wife a psychiatrist or something? You know, or I don't a know. Psychologist? His, I've met her. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, so something like that. Oh, we always say how patient can she be? You know, or put up with Phil, but. But, oh, yeah, one time we were playing Chinese poker at his house. We had just gone to the Golden State Warriors game. Yeah. It was me, Madison, and Phil were playing. And Sean Buchanan was sleeping on the couch. He's not a Chinese poker guy. We were playing, I think, Chinese. I don't know if it was just straight Chinese or what we were playing. But yeah. the commentary, the whining, the needling was so funny. Sean, all of a sudden, he'd be like... <laughs> and he'd hear a comment, and he'd be like, all of a sudden, did I just hear that? And then we'd look up, he goes, you guys are legends. And then all of a sudden, he'd be like 20 years old, and he'd wake up. But anyways, Phil is the funnest guy to tease. Me and Madison were just nonstop. Phil, Phil said we're playing at the latest till 4 a.m. because he had some appearance he had to do at like noon. And our flight 
it was after Bay 101 tournament, and we had a, a private jet that we were uh, Savage had set up for a few of us players, and we were taking it back to Vegas, I think at 11. And Phil's Phil's uh, appearance was right around then. So we were like, why don't we just play till 11, Phil? We'll go right to the flight. You'll do your thing. He goes, no, 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 I need sleep for this. Very important. Well, Phil's stuck, and he's on tilt, and he's losing. Me and Madison are laughing, needling, and <laughs> jokes. And, and uh, it's literally 4 a.m. Phil loses his Chinese hand. It's his house. We're in Palo Alto. He gets out of his chair, walks up halfway through the stairs. Honey, honey, you're not going to believe what these guys are doing. They play so bad. Phil, it's 4 a.m. I'm trying to sleep. Shut up, she says to him. And he comes running back down the stairs like, finally, he runs back up. He goes, honey, don't worry about my alarm. I'm sleeping till my, till my, uh, Public, I'm playing till my public appearance fee. These guys are so bad. I can't, you know, his usual B rating and, and, and all the beautiful things. And, of course, he was the only loser, you know. And uh, <laughs> and then he made a new rule. He made a new rule. He goes, okay, FBT, I can't take it. Either needling or whining. You can't do both. But the whole point was when we'd go to Fantasyland and not scoop him, it was a, the whining was the needling. So yeah. I would be like, oh my goodness, how do I not scoop you there? And he'd be like, how do you not scoop me? You just got so lucky to go to fantasy, how do you not scoop me? But I wasn't really whining, it was yeah, the yeah. whining needling, right? Yeah. So he, he actually made a rule, and he made me pick if I'm allowed <laughs> to whine or needle, but I can't do both. You know, he's, yeah. he's so much fun to play with <laughs> because he gets so emotional. <laughs> and Madison and I were giggling and, you know, just nonstop getting him going. So I mean, and at no point are you ever in danger of being thrown out of his house either. Never. That's the kind of guy he is. Never. You know? No, no. Phil Phil really, he's got a heart of gold. He really does. Yeah. And uh, and he's a, he's a stand-up guy and I have nothing but respect for him. But <laughs> do I love playing with him? Do I love raising him? Do I love effing with him at the table, both with the chips and with the banter? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, poker nights in America, I'll be honest, they are way more fun when I'm at the table with him because you just, the needles, nobody, nobody get, you don't get a yeah. rise out of anybody as good <laughs> as you do Phil. And it, and you know what it's like. If you make comments to people and they just don't react, it's no fun. You stop making the comments. But when you get the rise, they're, you know, they're fun. People, I've seen people, more than five people, I think in my career say after getting berated by Phil Hamuth, I've been dreaming about that for a long time like they wear like a badge of honor to set him off you know it's, what I mean it's I mean it's I, I seriously that's the only time I wonder is he for real or does he believe it because there's another guy that loves Bucky mm-hmm. Phil loves Sean and he respects Sean he knows how good he is well, one time in the 25k at the Bellagio Bucky was screwing around Messing with Phil, raising his blind, three betting him. Like some hand comes up where, you know, Phil made some sick call on the turn, and Sean escaped on the river and hit the card. Yeah. And when he, you know, Sean literally had nothing. He was just trying to bluff Phil, and Phil made some hero call with sixes on the turn and on the river. Sean hit the seven. Maybe he had king seven off suit. Yeah. Phil got out of his chair. I mean, really, Bucky? I mean, how bad are you? I mean, you're just trying to give it away. I mean. I mean, that's just terrible poker. I soul read your fate. You realize it's Phil Helmuth you're trying to block. I soul read you, Phil. I soul read you, you know? And he's going off on Sean, and he loves Sean. 
He's, yeah. But he's going in that moment. He just seems red, and it doesn't matter who you are, or how much respect for you he has. Like people take it way too personal. Meanwhile, Sean's laughing. He comes running over to my table, and he's like, "Classic, classic." Phil just went off on me. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's why when someone gets like actually just gets to the point where they don't talk to him or they hold it, you can't do that because yeah. it doesn't mean anything. He's just a. He's just like a full-blown kitty, you know? Just, that's it. <laughs> full-blown kitty. I like that one. Uh, we have one more question. We end the podcast the same way every time with a question from the random question generator. This one is, have you ever spoke in front of a large group of people, and how did it go? Uh, I've been best man at a wedding, so I would say I don't even know if that, I may have spoken at bigger audiences. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I like the spotlight, and I like telling stories, and it went... Fabulous! I had everybody laughing in tears, and yeah, I'm I'm no stranger to the spotlight. I believe you. I believe you, and I'm gonna let you get back to your game. So we'll end on that note. Thank you so much, Greg. You're welcome. That's it. That's the show. Thanks once again to Greg for not only coming on the podcast, but also for quitting a big game to do it. Uh, if you want to see what amazing sporting event Greg is currently at, go check out his Twitter at GregFBT. Uh, Greg is also an owner at 3Bet, which makes premium poker clothing worn by players such as Phil Helmuth, Antonio Esfandiari, Brian Rast, and more. You can find all of that at 3Bet.com. That's the number 3BET.com. We got a bona fide poker legend all set and ready to go for the next episode. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, leave a review, and shoot us an email to PokerStories at CardPlayer.com, and we'll hook you up with a free digital subscription to Card Player Magazine. Thanks for listening. Attention American poker players! Do you want to legally cash out your poker winnings to PayPal? Then head to GlobalPoker.com and see why it's the fastest growing site for U.S. players. That's GlobalPoker.com.